This week's episode made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com. Hello, Memphis. My name is Anna Mullins-Ellis, and I am here with your weekly episode of Meanwhile in Memphis with my teammate, Christy Mullen. Good morning, Christy. Good morning. It's been a minute since I've been on the podcast. (laughs) I feel like, I mean, these poor listeners have been, I'm sure, just (laughs) downloading, checking in, listening to WYXR every week, yearning to hear the voice of animals. My grating voice. <laughs> and yet. <laughs> no, I had a little vacation break and then I had a little sick break and I just have totally bailed on you, you guys. Got, it's a hiatus. Just look at it that way. You took a breather. Luckily, I have like an army of backup Annas. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was like. I, can... I was like, I just keep subbing in Annas. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm so glad to be back and I'm so glad to be back for this episode because these are two of my favorite people that we have in the studio today. Truly, I, I know we, I mean... One of my favorite things about doing this podcast is getting to to see all yes. of the great people that um, are in the New Memphis orbit come and and just to see their beautiful faces in person. But truly, Isaac and Kayla Rodriguez, um, Kayla Rodriguez Graf, I should say, yes. um, are our guests today. Um, they are truly a a powerhouse duo. They are a brother sister combo. Um, I'm gonna have Christy tell you a little bit more about them, but I want to first say that. Um, Isaac and both Isaac and Kayla are graduates of New Memphis programs. Isaac is the rare triple crowner, which <laughs> means that Isaac has been through um, three of the New Memphis leadership development programs. Um, Kayla and he both did our Embark program. So I'm gonna I, in a minute you're gonna hear from these like two incredibly brilliant and eloquent and passionate people who and you'll be like oh my gosh when I grow up I want to be <laughs> yeah. like Kayla and I will tell you that if you want to be like Isaac and Kayla um first step is to join a new Memphis program because they are truly like the exemplars of these programs I think that they represent what what to me is an ideal leader in Memphis which is somebody who is passionate about their business and is building something unique and innovative that's going to fuel the Memphis economy, but they are also equally passionate about the Memphis community and how they are pouring themselves back into the next generation of entrepreneurs. They're pouring themselves into um, professional organizations and nonprofits and their mentors and they serve on boards. Uh, I will mention that Isaac Rodriguez serves on our board, the New Memphis mm-hmm. board. So we really, I, I, I couldn't be prouder to call them alumni. Um, so if you're interested in a new Memphis leadership program, now is the time. Um, most of our programs begin again. Um, we'll start fresh classes in the spring of 2022. And I know it's sort of bonkers to be talking about. <laughs> like, is it how, I don't even, like, it's, it is October. No, I'm sorry. It is November. And I'm still writing, like, 2020 Same. on my, not that I'm writing checks. I mean, it's 2021. Haha, I'm but, not putting 2021 on anything. I'm either doing 2020 or I'm preemptively doing 2022. I'm like, still mentally living in 2019, no which is all to say we will, it will be spring before you know it. And 2022, whether we're ready or not, is coming. So if you're Stand thinking high. about your year, if you're, um, you know, just kind of I think it's always nice at the beginning of a year, at the end of a year to sort of plot a course for oneself and to really be like, what kind of intention am I going to set okay, for my development? I, I know. Like I mean. It. Christy knows me well, so she knows that I set a lot of intentions, and then a week into them is like, oh, that that was a big dream. <laughs> Maybe let's dial it back. But for you, listener, who are, have so much more um, motivation and stick to itiveness than I do, um, I hope that you go to newmemphis.org and learn a little bit about these leadership programs, because 
again, you're going to you're going to hear a lot of the talent that you hear from on this program. But these two in particular um, represent what these programs, what doors they open for you. Um, in addition to learning about yourself, learning about what your strengths, where your opportunities exist, you're also just going to have, uh, again, just an open door into this vast network of Memphis leaders, Memphis changemakers, people who care, people who are building businesses, people who are, um, you know, just having big ideas for our city. And I think um, both of them were new to the city when they chose to jump into a new Memphis program. And if you or anybody that you know is new to town, what a challenging time <laughs> it has been to be new in a city. So this is such an elegant way to kind of quickly get your bearings, to get to know a group of people, to find your peers, to find your passion for this city. Um, I know it's not, it doesn't always seem readily available, especially in pandemic times. So um, just quickly again, newmemphis.org. We have our Embark program for young professionals. So if, if you're in your 20s and you're just thinking about what all the joy that the world holds for you, think about the Embark program. We will also start the Fellows program again in the spring of 2022. That is for our mid-career friends, so folks who are, you know, average age 35, 40, um, who are looking about, thinking about taking that next step in their career and their um, leadership journey. And then we also have our leadership development intensive for all of you more seasoned executives. Um, if you're looking for a way to recharge and refresh your leadership skills, that is what we have for you. So go to those, uh, go to that website, newmemphis.org, read more about the programs, reach out to us, reach out to me. Anna at newmemphis.org. I would love to tell you more about the programs. Um, nominate yourself, nominate a, a friend, a peer, a colleague. Um, we do all of our work through networking and we, you know, word of mouth. So we'd love to hear um, who in your constellation of great people could benefit from our work. So I'm going to step off my New Memphis program <laughs> soapbox and I'm going to let you, Christy, tell us more about the dynamic duo that is Isaac and Kayla. Yeah, guys, invest in yourself invest in new memphis and invest in this episode because kayla and isaac are co-founders of sweet bio inc where kayla serves as ceo and isaac as chief science officer so if you've never heard of sweet bio listener you are in for quite the literal sweet like sweet treat quite frankly because sweet bio is leveraging the powerful benefits of manuka honey um kind of in this surprising innovative way to bioengineer the next generation of regenerative health products. So they're basically helping millions of people heal with the power of honey. And if that's not interesting to you, I don't know what's wrong with you because that is just breathtaking. And to hear them talk about the work they do, you guys are just going to be in awe. So I'm ready, Anna. Are you? I think we've, I think we've <laughs> hyped them enough. Let's get them in here. I think so. Let's go. All right, guys, we are here and we have our lovely, lovely brother-sister duo first for this show, quite frankly. So a round of applause. Uh, so <laughs> Kayla Rodriguez-Graff and Isaac Rodriguez are here. How are you guys? Oh, we're doing well. Yeah, doing great. Thank you. I feel like people might can tell whose voice is whose, but <laughs> just so. in case, <laughs> just in case, like give the audience, like introduce yourself to the audience, tell them who you are and what you do. Sure. I'll start off. I'm Isaac Rodriguez. I'm Chief Science Officer, co-founder of Sweet Bio. Backgrounds, a PhD, biomedical engineering, so co-inventor of the technology, and been in Memphis for eight years now. I had a two-year plan working at the University of Memphis, but then starting the company Sweet Bio with Kayla six years ago, really just, uh, we made Memphis home, and it's been great. And love the show, and love being involved with New Memphis, and all the great things that are happening here. And I'm Kayla Rodriguez-Graff, the much uh, 
much younger <laughs> sister. I, I didn't uh, go into that. I'm, <laughs> <in the track. laughs> uh, I'm the CEO and co-founder uh, of Sweet Bio, and you know my background is on the business side. Uh, I was fortunate to watch Isaac as he went before me really get into the sciences as I kind of stretched my wings on the business side. Um, after working for Target for many years in Minneapolis, moving out to San Francisco to work with crazy innovation, um, we decided to start the company and move here. And one of my favorite things to do is think about businesses in a new way, think about how ideas can disrupt. And when he brought me this technology and we thought about the kind of city that was so ripe for disruption and so open to innovation, yeah. we were just thrilled to call Memphis home. So we're happy to be here. We are thrilled to have you guys. And I will say, you know, we have lots of folks on the podcast who are graduates of our programs and friends of New Memphis. And you guys are definitely some of our superstars. And, you know, I always say, like, Christy is our, is our brand leader. I will hate to hear this. But, um, <laughs> like, our brand is only the people who come through the programs and, like, are associated and, and help spread the word about the work that we're doing. So we're so grateful for you guys. And we really couldn't ask for better brand ambassadors than these two. So before we jump in to all things Memphis, I, for those who are not familiar with Sweet Bio and this technology that we are speaking of and referencing, tell us a little bit about, from a business perspective, how are you building this business? Sure. Yeah, I can go into kind of the history of the technology, yeah. how it was born here in Memphis and how we turned it into this FDA-cleared product that is now helping hundreds of patients across the, the, the country heal their wounds. And so what I focus on and what I specialize in is designing biodegradable materials that can go into the body and that can help the body regenerate better, faster, stronger than it could uh, without those materials. So uh, I was working here in the University of Memphis uh, when, and, uh, with a dental physician, and they had a need to help the gums regrow back after a tooth extraction. And one of those uh, needs was for a product to help facilitate the gums closing over where the hole used to be for the, for the tooth. And, you know, I was looking back at my research and I was just thinking, how can we do this inside the mouth? It's done well outside of the body. Uh, when you try to heal a burn or a scrape or any type of external wound, there are materials that do that and they do it really well. One of those materials is Manuka honey. So we were looking in the lab and just trying to understand how can we harness the benefits the, of Manuka honey because it's antibacterial. It can uh, help reduce inflammation. It has all these great properties to help wounds heal, but let's bring that into the body. Can you implant honey? And that was the aha moment at the University of Memphis was taking this ingredient, but really synthesizing it with other materials so you can amplify what honey can do and bring it into the body. So we developed this solid sheet that can go into the body that could help regenerate soft tissue or it can go on the body. So it first started off as a dental application, but then as we grew the company, it switched over into wound because there's a bigger need, a larger market. Many more people are suffering from wounds. And we took this idea into a product. So the whole goal of it is to, again, promote this regeneration of, of, the, of the natural body's uh, response. And we created this solid sheet that is degradable that can help different types of, of wounds heal. So that's the basis of the technology and, and, and how it got started. And then building the company was a whole new ballgame of proving out the technology and scaling it and getting it through regulatory and protecting it with patents, growing a business around it. And you can have a technology 
but you also need a product out of that. So we can get multiple products out of this one technology. So mm. our one product that we mainly talk about is our APIS product, which is the one that is indicated uh, by the FDA for helping different types of wound heal, including diabetic foot ulcers, uh, abrasions, traumatic wounds, pressure ulcers, and, and, and those types. Mm. So I'll let the business person talk a little bit more about <laughs> what, know, we like, yeah, what we did. I was like, here's the idea. How do we yeah. build this thing, Kayla? Like, wh- what do you do when Isaac is like, hey, I've made this thing. Help me. <laughs> <laughs> I say, pretty sweet. <laughs> um, you know, when he came to me with this, I had always wanted to be an entrepreneur. We have just amazing women in our families that have started businesses and just change the trajectory of our family. And I just never really knew what the idea was. And I had always assumed that the idea that I was going to come up with off the top of my head was going to be a billion dollar idea. And the truth is you start with an idea let like a baby idea (laughs) that requires nurturing and like disruption of that and a, a lot of feedback and a lot of like contemplation and transition to really get to the big idea and so when Isaac brought me this technology I thought this is really interesting because I want to do something that impacts a lot of people I want to do something that is aligned with our values that we feel really good about bringing materials that like honey that comes like from the earth you know and it works you're not making any sacrifices on performance it works so well Um, and really something that would make our family proud and so We ask business questions, right? Like, okay, well, do a lot of people feel this pain? Can we make it for less than we can sell it for? Is this a for-profit business? Can we protect it? Can we use it all over the body, all over the globe? And all the answers were pointing to yes. And so we said, okay, business is all about de-risking. So let's join an accelerator program. Let's see if investors bite, you know, what what we have here. Let's see if we can keep hitting milestones to continue to de-risk. And that was really the first few years of Sweet Bio was navigating through, can we get through regulatory? Can we manufacture at full scale? Can we understand the market need? Um, and I would say insert pandemic. And it was a really interesting time for us to say, we knew what we were uniquely good at before, a little bit. <laughs> but during that time, we asked ourselves, really, what are we uniquely good at? Like we're, we have a brilliant scientist that can manipulate this technology to solve really big problems people are feeling. We have this product that is just kicking butt, helping people have a healthier tomorrow. And we're really good at disrupting business models. And so that asking that question, what are we uniquely good at? And what opportunities have been created during this pandemic has allowed us to shift the business and continue to evolve and Thankfully, we were able to raise a fund, uh, a raise a round um, from incredible funds like Apple's racial um, equity and justice initiatives and um, move the company forward and do some really impactful work. So it's been a wild ride. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about inserting yourself into some of the support systems. And I'm curious it's been such an interesting time. Like y'all's stay in Memphis and the launch of this company has coincided with, from where I sit, um, a really interesting time in Memphis's growth and it's focused and supportive entrepreneurship as a, as a core economic development strategy. So it seems like, and again, this is, you could be like, nope, that's wrong. Um, (laughs) But with the emergence of Epicenter and a number of programs for different kinds of entrepreneurs, um, 
so my question is one i how have you guys or have you benefited from that and two i know you've so many so many of us are using you guys as poster children for your yeah. work but i know that you guys have been really um such visible advocates for that so again this is a vague question now how have you been a part of that system and then how externally have you helped support and grow that system I mean, I can start. One of the biggest things was we started the company because we wanted to help millions of people heal. And we believe we can do that through our technologies, but we believe we can do that with advocacy and with giving our time and serving in any capacity that we can. You know, there's this huge heart that we have for service, whether that's serving on boards or doing a lot of high school programs that nobody sees or mentorship for startups. Um, we care very deeply. And when we moved to the city, we wanted to help create the future that it wanted to be. And so the, the timing was just remarkable because Epicenter started the same year we moved here and founded the company. Zero to 510 was growing, that accelerator program that's here. Um, and there was so much momentum that was happening and we were allowed to be a part of it. So we raised our hand a lot saying, you you need anybody? We're here because we wanna be visible. We wanna tell the story of Memphis and we genuinely wanna help and see the city succeed. And so we are a part of every single initiative that anyone will let us be a part of. You know, <laughs> yeah. The chamber put us in a video our first year that helped us get our first angel investors. Mm. And that was a domino effect for other angels in the city and other venture capital. We've been part of statewide initiatives like launch Tennessee's work that has helped amplify it you know even further and so we'll we're the first to tell you that it's been through the network of Memphis that Sweet Bio has grown not just by the work that we do in the company and so we are huge proponents that you have to be as active inside your company as you are outside mm. or outside as you are inside um, and it's just been um you know, we do so without any return, but it has been so incredible for us. For those that don't know, what exactly is an accelerator? How does it work? If you, you know, if there's an entrepreneur out there yeah. listening and they're like, what? Accelerate what? <laughs> Give us the, the 101. Question. Oh. Um, <laughs> is everyone listening from Memphis? Most, most. I mean, mostly. Okay. If so you're we not can from do Memphis, some. but you're listening, yeah. hit us up. I'm curious where you're, <laughs> hit where us you're up. coming from. Yeah. Love it. Yes. Please call in from the bees in New Zealand. Um, <laughs> so an accelerator program is typically a boot camp. They've changed structures over the years, but it's typically a boot camp for early stage ideas in companies to really assess, do they have something worth investing in? It's typically for companies that are venture-backed or going to be venture-backed, meaning they're going to take investment from a uh, uh, venture capitalist. They're going to scale the business, and they're going to have some sort of event in the future, whether that's an exit or an IPO um, or a merger, um, any event in the future that can create value. Um, what is so wonderful about accelerators is they force you in a very short amount of time to answer very hard questions. And the first and most important is, is there a market for what you're selling? Are you going to be the solution of choice? And are they going to pay for it? Right? Mm. You have to answer all three of those things, which is, is it big? Do they want yours? And you can answer those, but people aren't willing to pay for it. Like, are they really willing to pay for it? And so that's the beauty of an accelerator is you don't have to invest a lot of um, time i mean most of them are three months like the ones here in memphis are three months um 
but that is insignificant compared to going at it at your, you know, on your own and spending a year later and wondering why you're not successful. Mm -hmm. So it's a structured approach to pressure test your ideas and get to a go or no go kind of at the end of it. And Epicenter serves as this hub. It's kind of the front door for entrepreneurs. It's the place where you can go, whether you are venture backed or you are a lifestyle business. So you're building a bakery or you're building, um, there's so many amazing coffee shops now. You know, if you're building those businesses that you wanna grow organically without funding, um, there's quite the range and Epicenter's there as a resource. It, and Memphis is just an incredible place to be able to have both, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, as two people that have not started a medical device company before, yep. <laughs> yep. You know, we needed an accelerator, and not just any accelerator, one that focused on medical device that were able to bring out the regulatory, the quality, all the experts to show us the way, because we could have figured it out on our own the hard way and the long way and the expensive way, but that's what the accelerator de-risks is the time and the dollars and the expertise to mm. to get there. So for me as a scientist to learn the business side and for Kayla as a business mm -hmm. to learn the science side, it was exactly what we needed, the right place and the right time. Perfect. That's so interesting to me. The world you guys work in every day is very new for me. It's not something I understand. It's very different from what I come to work and do every day. <laughs> so I kind of want y'all to touch on that a little bit for the people listening, you know, how do you guys do this work? Like how, I know, like when you go into the office, Isaac, like what do you do? I know you have to have a team, Kayla. Like what is your day? Talk to me a little bit. Yeah, I mean, what's really fun and amazing is that after six years, we've raised almost $6 million in that time. Okay, just casually drop Casual. that number. That's great. <laughs> Which, by the way, we have like defied a lot of odds being, yeah. you know, first a brother-sister team typically is not looked upon you know, favorably in venture capital, they assume it's a family business. Uh -huh. um, the second, being a Latino company, yeah. the statistics are not in our favor. And then being woman-led, we kind of have like a compounding factor. So we're very proud of the money that we have raised. And we try to tell everyone, um, younger Latino generations, like, we want to be visible for yeah. them, right? So on a day-to-day -day basis, I'd say we have fundraise every year. So I'll, I'll say my side. Um, my role is setting the strategy with Isaac and developing the roadmap to be able to deliver on the milestones like and, <laughs> and then the executional plan to really bring it to life. Yeah. Right. So we have an initiative that we're going to be launching in the next few months that we are now aligning our resources, the activities to ensure that we can hit a deliverable um, and it's something we're very, very passionate about. And that involves, so for me, I need to see the holistic picture. What do we need to do from an inventory standpoint? Do we have enough product to be able to pull mm -hmm. this off? What do we need to do from a partnership standpoint? Do we have the right players that could amplify the message? What do we need to do from a social media marketing side? You know, is our brand- Gotta understand. Right? Yeah. Brand on point. <laughs> do we need a hashtag? You know, but do we, what, what messages do we want to put out there that are going to resonate yeah. and how do we test them? Um, and how do I align the, the results that Isaac is driving on the clinical side to support and translate, you know, this is evidence and this is a testimony, you know? So how do I translate, um, 
the evidence that we're generating right. and package these together in a way that, you know, moves forward the deliverables. Insert hurdles and, and <laughs> yeah. right and left turns and left, 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 left turns to get us back around. Um, but in general, that's my job is really trying to envision the future, building the roadmap, creating the executional plan and, and running like heck to get there. Oh, wow. Isaac, your turn. Can you talk that? Isaac's, Isaac's raising the bees. He's just yeah, I mean, a beekeeper. Next life, uh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting because you know we have meetings every Monday morning at 9 a.m. to try to set the week and what we're going to do. And like every that. week is, set is very different. Good intentions for the week. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or, you know, problem facing or, for the or week. Or problems <laughs> like what fires do we need to yeah. put out and what we do we like need to get to ahead of? We like to know up front. <laughs> exactly. And it's... You know, it's different every day based on the projects that we're driving, based on the strategy that, that we want to implement. So in general, I would say, you know, my day is, is split a, a bunch of different ways where if we have a lot of patent activity, for example, then I'm driving that work with uh, our global patent strategy and protecting our idea. We may have some quality and regulatory work that needs to be done at the office, whether it's inventory or labeling or packaging or something that, that comes along. Um, we're manufacturing, so getting the run ready with our raw materials and with our vendors and, and setting that up. It could be in the, most of it is the evidence collection space, mm-hmm. whether that's the benchtop studies showing that our product has antibacterial properties, that we can decrease inflammation. How can we get that data so then we can then leverage it, like Kayla mentioned, in some potential marketing, or on the other side of that for me is publishing it in academic journals. Which and you do, scientific I see them journals. all the time. They're coming out, yeah. <laughs> and then, I mean, that's that's one step. And then the other step is going into clinical. So there's a, the okay. benchtop evidence to show mechanism of actions, why things are working, getting those answers to why it's working, and then showing how it's working clinically and what are the, the outcomes there. So we're driving a, a great study with uh, Regional One Health, which is also mm-hmm. part of that Apple uh, Racial Equity Justice Initiative feature, but we're doing a a 50-patient study with them, half of the patients with our product, half of the patients not treated with our product, and really looking at, you know, the demographic here in Memphis, what is the recipe for success to healing a wound, to to closing a wound? And that could be, are the patients skipping treatments? Are they walking on their feet when they're not supposed to be walking on their feet? Are they moving treatments? Are they they moving... um, centers and locations and not being able to come back to the same location every time. So what are the factors behind wounds not healing, especially in our diverse population in here? And we are in, the Kayla and I were talking today, we are in like the diabetes belt of the the U.S. So, you know, you see a lot and this is a true population. So that's a lot of my job as well is, is getting that clinical evidence, understanding what it means, and then, you know, pushing out the strategies moving there forward. So I... I try to force myself to work on like projects at a longer amount of time, but I, I feel like I am pulled in many different directions, right. but it's not a bad thing because every direction I, I feel like I'm pulling myself in, I'm making progress and I can see the value added to the company. And that's mm-hmm. all that matters to me at the end of the day. I'm okay if I'm pulled in a thousand different directions, <laughs> as long as every little thing that I'm working on moving is moving something else bigger forward. But I do feel like we have a good structure. I do feel like I am, I'm focused and I'm, and you know, some, we're the interns as well. We're the janitors as well. Like whatever we need to do, you know, we, we do. And we, we have a great office at the University of Memphis Research uh, Foundation Research Park there. And, and that place is great because it gives us access to uh, the University of Memphis as well, some of the laboratories there and um, with the microscopy center. So whenever we need to do hard science ourselves that we're not outsourcing, we have the ability to do that here in nice. Memphis. 
Hmm. So that sometimes I put on a lab coat and the gloves, that's and, what I, I, was about to say. and how, I get into the lab. Yeah. So. How many hours are you behind a microscope? <laughs> like, yeah. That's the hard hitting question people. Depending on how many pictures we're taking. Yeah. That's what I was about yeah. to say. Yeah. <laughs> so so oh, go ahead. Oh, no, you go. Oh, all right. Go for okay. it. I can follow up with mine in a minute. It's probably the same question. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Um, you guys have referenced us a little bit about how you ended up here, how you chose to come here. Um, I'm curious if you can dig a little bit deeper into that, um, both as individuals, young, young, exciting, smart people who have a lot of choice in where they want to be, but also Memphis as, a, as an ideal home for launching and building this business. Uh, what, what I assume is and will be a global business. So it certainly could, could function from anywhere. So put it out there. Yeah, speak it into existence. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I came from San Francisco, and I love technology. And when I had envisioned my future of starting a company, I was kind of thinking bits and bytes, not biotech. Um, And I had only been in San Francisco for a couple years. I had just, like, achieved my life goal of bringing my like boyfriend at the time out of the Midwest, like into the Valley. And I was so thrilled. And, you know, a few months after he moved there, I was like, and we're moving to Memphis. Um, And the truth is, you know, we had an offer to stay in San Francisco and it would have required Isaac to move. And if we went to Memphis, it required me to move. So either way, the move is going to have to happen, right? There wasn't a convenient answer where we both were. So you start thinking about what does it mean to live in each city, right? I mean, in my 20s thinking about what do I want for my life and I want this company to be successful and I want me to be successful personally and I want to have a life with my then boyfriend then fiance now husband (laughs) we wanted to have a family we had dogs we wanted a place where we can really build our lives and enjoy this time in our lives not just kind of work to just like kind of live for a second, you know, mm-hmm. but to enjoy both. And so when we looked at the options, it was like, okay, Memphis is, of course, it's an affordable place to live, right? I mean, it's just amazing compared. It's remarkable. But it gave us this space and this freedom. And it also hadn't figured itself out from an entrepreneurial ecosystem yet. And that was important to me because if you figured out entrepreneurship, then that's corporate. Hmm. Entrepreneurship is messy and it is not prescriptive and each city can define what entrepreneurship means and the thought of being part of that was so exciting and so I'm like okay I can grow this amazing business surrounded by medical device companies that are here. Mm -hmm. We could build a life and a family and enjoy and travel and do all the fun things. I mean and we could be part of building what the Memphis entrepreneurial ecosystem is. I mean, it was just a, it kind of became a bit of a no-brainer for us. I think we could have been very successful in San Francisco, um, but I I would say we're more successful here because of the whole wraparound that we, we've gotten. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. That was like a beautiful answer. <laughs> like, <laughs> we were just gonna all take a moment of silence. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to hear my answer. Like, I didn't know what I was getting into. <laughs> I guess I moved here eight years ago in 2013, and then we Kayla moved here in 2015 to start the company. And I really had no idea where Memphis was on the map. Like right. I knew it was in Tennessee because I lived in Virginia my whole life, and I went to school out there. And my professor at the time, my PhD advisor, was moving to Memphis. 
And he said he had a job for me out here. So I said, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll go. Where's Memphis at? Let's, let's just do this. <laughs> so, you know, I moved here with no family, no friends, and really just, you know, seeing what Memphis had to offer. And it was a two-year gig So at the University of Memphis. So if I hated it, it's like well, I invested two years. Now I go back home and I know what I don't want to do mm-hmm. now. But, you know, six years after that two years ended, I'm still here and for the foreseeable future. And I think that's a testament of what Memphis has to offer. And it's a genuine offer by the city. It's when I first moved here, it really was the city and the people and the county just like, okay, that's great. You're here. That's fine. Yeah, whatever got you here, that's fine. But what's going to keep you here? How Mm. can we keep you in Memphis? And asking that question was so important to me because you felt heard and you felt like you were part, like Kayla said, of the city growing and having its identity and really caring about the people that are here. So I've never felt that a city worked any harder than Memphis and I never felt like more integrated with the city that's here because of the opportunities and the the simple yet direct and insightful questions of, of what's going to keep you here? How can we make sure that you have what you need to be successful? You just don't hear that everywhere you go. I agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. I think we, we hear that echoed a lot, particularly from this generation of, of folks who, who do have a ton of choice and where they can live and have not only have choice, but have cities like literally vying for you and throwing themselves <laughs> at your feet. Um, but I think a thing that Memphis, you know, I, we certainly have the sort of the shiny things that, you know, they, they told us millennials wanted in terms of, you know, independent coffee shops and all yeah. that. We have this stuff, <laughs> the entertainment, the nightlife, the stuff that does matter. But I think beneath the veneer of that is a much deeper and much more authentic we really need you here <laughs> and yeah. we want your voice at the table and we're going to make room and we're going to listen. And I certainly have felt that as, you know, as a young professional coming up in the city, I thought I don't necessarily need to stay here, but it became clear that I was wanted here. And that right. feels nice. <laughs> yeah, it does. I feel like Memphis does build that sense of community in a way that certain mm-hmm. places don't. Cause like I'm a transplant, I'm not from Memphis. Um, and you guys are both like big advocates for the causes and missions you support in your own right. So speaking of like that sense of community in Memphis, kind of how do you turn your passions into actions outside of the work you do at Sweet Bio? Hmm. Yeah, it's before moving to Memphis, I would say it's a lot of intentionality mm-hmm. on my part where my day job was like working in the lab and trying to graduate and being a biomedical student. And in order for me to fulfill my passion of uh, promoting access to higher education mm-hmm. for minorities, for example, like making sure high school students go to college, they're not dropping out. And, and I, I was involved with those high school programs outside because I made an intentional effort to do that. And then at times my lives and worlds would collide and integrate and I would meet a great connection in a volunteer event that would then help me in the biomedical side. But it was it was pretty separate. And then coming to Memphis, I felt like, I didn't have to try as hard Mm -hmm. to do that. So I never was involved in policy or government or anything my entire life. But then when I moved here, the first board I was on was Mayor Luttrell's Young Professional Council. (laughs) It's like, oh, great. What am I getting myself into? (laughs) I know nothing about policy. Like, I'm not, I I, I want to. So it it gave me a chance to explore other categories that, that are out there and expand myself as and grow as a professional. So you know, now it's it's pretty seamless. Like I feel like we go out to events, and I don't know if it's work or for fun or for right. personal or for volunteering. Like it all meshes together, and I'm just like, I just know I'm outside great. of my house. Yeah, yeah I know I'm outside, and I, I love what I'm doing. And 
wow, we just got a great connection or wow, I just helped a student or it's just something great always comes out of just being involved and being visible and being present and it it is just seamless and I, I love it. Yeah. It's, it's obvious. Yeah. <laughs> really, I mean, I've, I've, you can always tell, I mean, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say this. <laughs> you can always tell like the board members and the volunteers who are like, I'm doing this because my employer is making me do yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> you can see the dull, like, their dull eyes, and you're like, I'm sorry that you have to do this, but no, it's never been the case for y'all. I'm curious for you in particular. I mean, you guys are both. I, I you guys seem busy, and I don't even like see you day to day. But like, I just <laughs> I see you and I hear you, and you're you're serving in so many different ways, which is incredibly valuable. Um, but I know you also have you have you're a mother. You have mm-hmm. two now, right? I have two. And are they like? Three and one or four and three. Four, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I like, four and almost I don't count two. the last year and a half, so I'm just like, <laughs> as I far know. as I know, you have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> At least one. I can't even believe I have a four and a two-year-old. Wow. I know. It's it's remarkable. And I don't know. I think that, like Isaac said, we I had to work really hard prior to coming to Memphis and the other cities I've lived in to be involved in things. And the week I came, I was starting a new Memphis program. <laughs> Literally a week. <laughs> in. I remember and that. Yeah. I have friends from that that have been my dearest friends for the last six years because of the program. And when I I think when you get a taste of that you want more, right? You can see the value. I mean, I think Isaac and I, anytime we join something, we see the value, whether it's personally fulfilling because it's a mission or it's starting to merge together, that it also helps Sweet Bio or it helps a friend's company or a friend's organization. It's just remarkable. But for me personally, I always knew I wanted kids and I didn't see many pregnant women pitching for money mm-hmm. I didn't and so I was nervous because that's sure how is that going to be perceived right. right um and some of the questions you know that I would get on the side were just remarkable I mean I'd be at and it's like well what are you what are you gonna do you know with the company after you have a kid I'm like I'm gonna come back and work thank you yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna continue kicking butt yeah. per usual you know and and finally got to the point where I realized and I started talking to more women that there wasn't a lot of advocacy for it and so I started to the, my first pregnancy I was more hiding we went to a, um, a pitch event I think I was eight months seven months pregnant in New York and I was wearing like kind of looser things because I didn't want the questions I didn't especially the questions on like how committed are you mm-hmm. um, nobody would know if Isaac you know mm-hmm. had kids right. that, you know they don't ask those questions and so but with my second pregnancy I realized like this needs to be seen like we have to talk about it and it has to be a conversation of, in my opinion, that you can do them simultaneously. Are you winning all the time? No, but I can be present in all the moments that I am present in, right? I can be at work when I'm at work and I can be with my kids when I'm at, with my kids. And it is possible to continue to have joy from both of them without feeling the frustration. And it's kind of a choice. And I have a lot of peer mentors and mentors that I talk to about it when I'm like I'm losing my mind I can't do this you know (laughs) there are definitely moments where I fall apart tacos fall apart and we love them so that's how I feel Um, cross stitch that on a pillow right I mean that is literally my mantra these days I'm like it's okay if I fall apart which happens probably on a 
weekly or every other week basis <laughs> as long as I don't sit down there in that moment. Right. And I think that's what I realized with the whole busy, with all the activities. I think I'm on four boards um, and then a couple advisory boards with the kids. I know Isaac's on a ton as well. And the truth is if I can be present in the moments that I'm there and not mentally worrying about whatever, mm-hmm. um, and I can choose joy, right? I don't, I, I don't allow myself to think about, oh my God, all the things I have to do. And like, I have to literally choose joy. And I allow myself to fall apart and like feel the frustration and get out of it faster. I'm happier. And so I think as we like have tried to balance all these things and adding more workload on our plates, I mean, I feel like we do have like choices that we can make and I think we should talk about more that it's okay to really not be okay for a second or for as long as you need to, as long as you can get out of it and there's a lot of support to get out of it. So it's been a wild self-discovery ride for me, like navigating these two wild boys at home, <laughs> but I see them and I'm like, you're going to know that a woman is fierce and is a leader and you're never going to have to question that. And you know what I mean? So. Every time I think about you, Kayla, I think of our next wave of women panel that we did for our Celebrate What's Right. And you you had to bring your baby on stage yeah. at that point. And everybody was just like <laughs> applauding. And I was fairly new to New Memphis at that point. I hadn't been here quite that long. And that's one of my first memories. So like that will always be tied <laughs> to you. I mean, it's just we need to see it because if you don't see it, it's not normal. Right. You know, and so I think a lot of people are like, oh, my gosh. I'm going to be so busy if I have kids. You're going to be busy anyways. Like, you're going to fill your life with whatever anyway. Time is like money. Like, you just spend all that you have. I mean, our mom, I wish I could find whose acronym this is. Our mom says this all the time. Like, time is like you have 24 hours in a day, so invest it and manage it so you can enjoy it. Yeah. Hmm. And I was like, wisdom. <laughs> like, like mom mic drop just yep. mom the sage you know and she's i don't know she's just positive i can't i'm like why well, he got those genes you know <laughs> it's amazing you guys are both though to anna's point when you speak you can tell you genuinely love not only the work you're doing every day but you love the lives you're leading every day and i know like i see i see isaac all the time at random events around town kayla i see you at certain things all the time so i'm like to anna's point as well i'm like when do they sleep like <laughs> I need at least a good solid five hours. Like, um, but as I'm like double that. <laughs> but like, as you guys are like, kind of doing all of this work, you're putting in all this time and effort. I really like to hear what has been your most memorable thing. Like, either that can be story discovery you've made along the way. Like, your work touches so many personally and professionally. What is what is your fave? Hmm. It's okay. Sophie's we, we can contemplate oh, it for a so moment. Deep. <laughs> I mean, really quick on the one thing that you just said, and I've been having this conversation with my husband a lot lately. When you are doing what you love, it gives you energy. And when you are doing what you don't love or it's against your values, it sucks energy from you. And I think that's something that I really feel like when this initiative that we're launching really soon has been giving us so much energy Mm. I'm not exhausted by this work I'm like so pumped it's hard for me to put my computer away I mean it's just remarkable and I I think if we just self-check ourselves every once in a while and say am I exhausted all the time like am I doing work that I is aligned with my values that I want to be doing and is it sucking energy or is it giving me energy and I think that's like I sleep 
I, sl- I, I love sleep. <laughs> like, too. that baby monitor's going off, <laughs> and my husband's like, get up. And I'm like, oh, you're turning my sleep, you know? So I think that that's one thing that's like a, a rechargeable battery when you're doing what you love. Mm-hmm. And, and, we, and to be able to do what you love, it has to be bigger than what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So making medical device products, I think we really like doing that. But we love knowing that this is going to help millions of people. Yeah. We love knowing that it's our family, the Latino population, that is going to be impacting. We know that there's a whole next generation of Latino and Latinas that are going to see us and be like, yes, I can do that too. You know, so like that's the stuff. It has to be bigger than the actual like what you do. So anyways, yeah. it like. Talk about your mama and you just like say things like that. You're just like, <laughs> oh, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you need to get her on here. <laughs> next, next, next guest. But, you know, do you have an answer on memorable moments? I mean, I have a few. I mean, just building on what you said, it's exactly like not losing sight of why you joined or why you started something in the first place. And if you can celebrate those moments that are at the finish line. So, for example, for us, it's like getting through the FDA. It was like a huge celebration. We took the rest right. of the day off. I think we found out at... <laughs> at 9.45 in the morning or 10 a.m. And we're just like, day's done. We're celebrating. You know, so like that's that's a milestone. That's an achievement yeah. that we spent years, three years and $3 million or so, like getting to that point. Right. So yes, memorable moment. But I would say like the most emotionally impactful is when we hear a patient's story and they say, I didn't lose my foot because you helped me heal. I was able to go to the beach and hold my grandkids. I was able to walk my daughter down the aisle like stories like this, that are just what give me goosebumps and what keeps us motivated to, to keep going. And many of the times, we don't know 90% of the stories that are out there. We just know wound closed. Okay, patient number 21, wound closed. And then like the Apple story just revealed one of the patients here, uh, Loro Salvador, and we didn't know him at all. And we found out he was Hispanic. And we found out we saved his foot because of our product. And how many other things do we not know? So there's a little bit of blind faith that, you know, what you got into what you're doing is still impactful, even though you don't see it. So those moments of hearing one story, like, fuel me for years <laughs> because you know it's happening. You just don't know how many. You might find out later. Right. And it's okay if you don't. But if you love what you do, you're passionate about it every single day, and if you can just focus on that why you joined in the first place, and if it's still true and you're still seeing that output, then keep up with it and keep going. That that's what gives me the motivation is 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 that outcome. And you know, you you can't put any like price or, or value on that. It is just so remarkable. So like Kayla mentioned, we want to do that more and more frequently and reach as many people as we possibly can. So that's the the initiative that we'll be rolling out next few months is just how can we expand access to our technology because there are people out there that need it. Mm-hmm. You guys are changing lives in a big way, and that's like a really cool thing to sit back and acknowledge. Like you're kind of killing it, you know that. <laughs> like, <laughs> but we've referenced it a little bit, and we would be very remiss if we didn't talk a little bit more about it. The apple of it all, truly. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you guys got this partnership with Apple and Vamos Vamos Ventures, mm-hmm. I believe, mm-hmm. and so it's part of the Racial Equity and Justice Initiative. Talk to us a little bit about that. Like, what? Tell me all the deets because the people listening want to know. I've read the articles, guys, so but you may not <laughs> <Right>. have. <laughs> oh man, 
I mean, I remember waiting in line for the first iPhone. Um, <laughs> I am obsessed with Apple products. I'm obsessed. You know, I'm a, I'm a business person, marketer by trade. I've studied them. I love, I mean, Isaac, I like talk to Isaac about marketing campaigns all the time. And he's like, <laughs> please stop. <laughs> please stop. Like, my gosh. And I just, you know, I have admired them as a company for many years. And, you know, when everything happened with the pandemic, with George Floyd and this like awakening mm-hmm. of the disparities that are within this like first world country that we have, right? Apple committed to fuel initiatives that made a difference. And whether that was in education, economics, um, and I believe they have one more aspect of it, they were committing dollars to it. And in the process, um, you know, Isaac and I, have been, we've been raising money for, for six years and we'd never found a fund that was focused on Latino, Latina. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a small market, you know, mm-hmm. founders. And so um, Vamos Ventures was one that, that came to our attention. And I mean, I remember thinking if we get $1 from them, if they will write a check for $1, I just want to be associated with them because they're yeah. cutting edge, they're brilliant. The, the partner Marcos is just a phenomenal human being first and foremost, which matters in the investment mm-hmm. space, right? Because a lot of times the motivation of investors is that bottom line. Um, and we've been intentional in selecting who our partners are because they have to have a multiple bottom line. They have to care deeply about something else and dollars to be able to ride this wild ride that we're on. <laughs> and so, you know, we, we had met with the team and it had been um, a lengthily, rightfully so process. They'd never had an investment in our type of company and they made the decision to invest in us and they were backed by Apple. So Apple had put a nice chunk of change into their fund and Apple wanted to tell stories about not just, hey, we put money into these initiatives, but what's happening? Like what good is coming from the dollars that we're trying to put out into into the world, into the country? And Vamos said, well, you have to talk to Sweet Bio. You need to talk to them. And I'm forever grateful for that comment <laughs> because then we started getting phone calls like, hey, you know, we like to consider you to be featured on the website. And then we, you know, told our story and they're like, and we want to write a new story yeah. about this work. And they're like, do you have a patient? And we were like, oh my gosh, like we have regional one here, the work that they're doing. We know that the physician and the patients like are just the population that need the most help. And like, this is a platform to amplify the message that we have been trying to say for six years, but Apple helped say it best, which is we believe everyone deserves access to advanced wound care. And that press has changed the trajectory of our company strategically from a vision standpoint, it's been remarkable. So not only you know does the investment dollars help us continue moving forward, but the message they shared and the way they shared mm-hmm. it and who was saying it mm. validated something that we haven't had the courage to say, which is we have something that can help the 90% of the population that isn't getting care. And it's allowed us to think very differently and boldly about how do we get them care. It has to be beyond having a great product. What does the model look like for them to get the care? Where should we be challenging this? How do we make sure that they get the care? How do we make sure that we make it an experience that is deserving for a human being? You know, So it just was remarkable to have something that started out as funding to really build this wonderful relationship to tell a story that then ultimately kind of changed our lives. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, I just got goosebumps a little bit. I'm not (laughs) even gonna lie. So you said 
this has changed the trajectory of the company. So that kind of leads us to our, our final question, which is what's next? I mean, I know world <laughs> dominance, all of that, but in the next you know, year or two years, what are, what are the big rocks that you guys are tackling? Yeah, I mean, we spent the last six years getting the product right. Mm. Designing, developing, getting FDA clearance, and proving that our advanced wound care product works and works well in a variety of wounds, but especially in diabetic foot ulcers that plague the population. Diabetes is a pandemic. It's especially worse in Tennessee. It's extraordinarily bad in Memphis, especially for our marginalized communities that are black and brown. With all of that information, there's still a lack of access to care. Most people don't get the products that they need mm. to be able to move forward. So bad that they can have an open wound on their foot for over half a year, not moving forward, impacting their lives, impacting their family's ability to get in places. They're fearful, they're embarrassed by their wounds, and there's no product company out there to support them. So now that we've gotten the product right, now that we've attracted key opinion leaders from across the country, doctors, partners, we're looking at innovating the solution and the experience. And so you'll see some really neat things from us on how we open up access to the people who need this in a way that's never been done before. Well, that's exciting. But like, okay, so that, that was, I mean, I, gosh, I don't even know what to say at this point. <laughs> But, like, if people want to keep up with what's coming up on the horizon for you guys or how they can support your work, where do they go? What do they do? I mean, please follow us. <laughs> please follow us on social media. Please share the information. And yeah. not because we need you to, you know, what we need is for the people who are impacted by these wounds to see what we're doing and to start having the conversations with their family, with their friends, with their doctors to be able to get this to them. I mean, we're a small company um, and we're only gonna grow based on the network that we have. And so if people can find us on, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on LinkedIn, SweetBio Co. or SweetBio Inc. everywhere. Um, our website's sweetbio.com. Um, and please share it because, you know, we're in the next few months, we're gonna be launching some really hopefully impactful initiatives that can get this this out there so we'd love to talk to them if if, if we can help them in any way we get those emails often as yeah. well so i was gonna say this isn't scalable with the two of us but <laughs> you know we do get that often we get emails saying my friend's mom's cousin's uncle like has a wound can you help and mm. through that we do everything we possibly can to get the product to the patient but then also the doctor becomes a believer mm. and then that also helps us too so it's just like this world of just being comfortable having the conversation around wounds, being okay with asking for help mm -hmm. if you need help in the wound space, and then just really proof in the product and proof in, in the company. Like we were just uh, the, the other night, you know, we were just sending some product out without paperwork and, and like certain you know, paperwork, and they were just like, we really appreciate it. You know, it's like, well, we'll get it figured out. It's no problem. It's not like, you know, nothing's going to be held up here on our, on our end. Like, let's, let's just make sure you get what you need because the surgery is tomorrow. Right. We're not going to hold you up from getting something that you need because, you, you know, for whatever small reason, it's like we can work together. And that's the whole the whole vision of Sweet Bio. It's like let's work together to get people the, the care that they need. And like Kayla said, just hearing the stories of, of wounds that you may have, it's like, again, not scalable, but it is something that, that we are doing on a small scale in – 
where where we can and it does make a difference for for us it helps us it helps them so you know, I, I do see that as as part of sweet bio moving forward just having the conversation with your family with your friends and being okay with that and us always being uh, an advocate for the patient well we are so grateful to both of you for being here today for being fantastic program alums for being on our board you guys are just the best and we're so glad that you chose memphis and that memphis found a way to make it worth your while so uh we will check back in because i really um, uh, this is a fascinating i feel like this is like me going to business school just like listening <laughs> yeah. to entrepreneurs <laughs> talks i'm like mm, yes vc mm. um, <laughs> but i'm i'm you know so excited about what's next for y'all so congratulations and we'll see you soon yeah thank, thank you, you so much thank you so much bye Guys, that was such a good one. I feel like I say that after every episode of AME, truly. It's true for everyone. This one, though, I really did get literal goosebumps when Kayla was talking. She just knows, I don't know, you know, <laughs> she's what my mom would call a good talker. <laughs> Apparently, did. it runs in her family I the know, way she's yeah. talking about her mama. So, guys, closing announcements for New Memphis. You heard at the top about our recruitment efforts. Again, if you're interested in any of our programming, go to newmemphis.org. But we want to invite you to our Celebrate What's Right Youth in the Arts on November 10th. That is sponsored by our friends First Horizon Foundation, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee, and Bassberry Sims. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for being. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I should have got to stop singing on this podcast, truly. Disagree. Um, <laughs> but, guys, this conversation is based on the arts. People are always like, what is it good for? We can cut that programming. And to that we say, no, the arts are good for absolutely everything. Um, you know, they are here to help us think critically about our city's future and how access to art opportunities are so important for children across the Mid-South. So we have brought together so many organizations and representatives to talk on this freaking amazing panel. I truly don't know how to describe it other than that. I'm being very not eloquent today. You can get tickets to this event by going to newmemphis.org where you can find everything. Your free tickets. Your free tickets. <laughs> That's what I was about this to say. This is a virtual event. Yes. So this, I, we hope, God, <laughs> fingers crossed, uh, will be our the, the last one that we have to do um, virtually. We will have a small group together in person, um, but all of you can join us for free. Mm-hmm. You can listen in over your lunch hour. It, it, as Christy said, it's going to be a, a dynamite group of people and talking about something that we can like very authentically be proud of here in Memphis that we have. Um, some truly uh, unique uh, arts programming for ch- the, not yes. not not just like an afterthought. Like it was built for our youth. It was yes. built to engage them. So it's going to be a good one. We hope that you join us. And you can be in your pajamas. What else I'll do be. you want? Truly, like so. On that note, guys, New Memphis is a nonprofit. Did you know? With that means we need you to give back to us. It's that time of year. Yes, it's that time of season. If you've listened to a single episode of Meanwhile in <laughs> Memphis, this is actually, we, this is our year anniversary. Yes. We've been doing this for one year. Um, the team, or the New Memphis team really does, they pour um, themselves into this work. And they, I'm so proud of what they have accomplished this year with this podcast, with this radio program and our friends at WYXR. If you've listened to any episode, this one or any before, and gotten anything about anything out of it, you've thought about Memphis in a different way, you've been inspired to be more engaged in your community, you've um, learned about somebody that you want to connect with, please make a donation to New Memphis. Um, This is the time of year where we look to our network to open their pockets and open their hearts and make sure that we can do our work next year. So go to nomemphis.org backslash donate and you can easily just uh, 
jam that handy dandy <laughs> donate button and call it a day. That's what I'm saying. Guys, newmemphis.org to donate, to get involved in our programs. And also you can RSVP to CWR, which is what we call Celebrate What's Right Youth in the Arts that way as well. So come on down and see all the great things we have going on. And we'll see you next time. Thank you, Memphis. See you next week. This week's episode was made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com.